Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book Cybersecurity Readiness, a holistic and high-performance approach, a sage publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee is taught in the Master of Engineering and Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series. Our discussion today will revolve around insider threats and how to proactively detect and thwart this form of malicious attack. I'm indeed fortunate, in fact, we are fortunate to have with us Mr. Duran Hendler, CEO and co-founder of Reveal Security. Welcome, Duran. Hello, welcome. Hi, Dave. Thank you for inviting me. Sure, sure. Looking forward to learning a lot from you about your journey. So let's do that first. Let's talk about your professional journey before we get into the details of insider threat detection challenges and solutions. So I'm in the high tech for more than 30 years doing different type of journeys in different industries, different girls. Basically, I've done business and traveling from almost Australia to Brazil and did businesses across companies, across industries and in different geographies. And I was fortunate to get into Reveal Security mainly because a few years ago, I was a social engineer and by mistake, I was hacked by, by somebody that called me and by mistake, I, I made a, a terrible mistake by not notice that uh, somebody is social engineering me and I'm consider myself as a sophisticated user. And when I called to this insurance company that I realized that I've been hacked, I told them what happened and I asked them to basically close my online portal and credentials and reset my credentials and they did so. And when I spoke to the CISO, she was telling me that I don't have to be worried. And I asked her why. And she said, because it happens to so many different people, even to the sophisticated one. And I asked her, how come you don't have any technology solution in place that can detect that somebody is basically impersonating and, and doing malicious activities on my behalf, on my name? And she said that they do have technology. However, it takes them forever to detect. And once they detect, it's already weeks after the incidents and it's not accurate and it's a, it's a, it's a problem. And when I heard that this is a problem, I thought to myself, all right, this is an opportunity. And this is how we started Reveal Security, David and myself, my, co- my co-founder and partner, along, alongside with Adi, which is a long-last system architect. Fantastic. So that's great that you experienced something which motivated you to address a need. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to develop solutions, whether that involves a specific technology, a process, people, whatever that might be, because we could do with all the help that's necessary. I'd like to give the listeners a little bit of a background on insider threats, and then I'll turn it over to you because you are the expert here. So 
As our listeners must be aware, insider threats are often considered the biggest risk for organizations because they can cause the most destruction. In fact, survey reports, studies have found that organizations have had to spend millions of dollars to recover from insider threat attacks. And if you if you think of some of the well-known attacks, probably the GE attack will come to mind where employees stole trade secrets to gain a business advantage. Then we are also very familiar with the Capital One breach, which happened in 2019, which was carried out by a former software engineer for Amazon Web Services, which was basically the hosting company for Capital One. I also was intrigued to read about a disgruntled employee who was able to gain access to Tesla CEO Elon Musk's, say, privileges to make direct code changes to the Tesla manufacturing operating system under false usernames and exporting large amounts of highly sensitive Tesla data to unknown third parties. So these are very concerning. Doron, would you like to add to the, the, the reason why we are having this discussion? So rightfully said, uh, Dave, the, the highest risk in today's organizations in our digital transformation is our identities. So in many of the cases, we're moving from known people that work in the office on a day-to-day basis to identity, digital identities. It, this is a digital world. And the ability to actually understand who does what in our corporate business application is one of the major challenges in today's world. Because once you move to the cloud, once you move to SaaS, it's, it's all about you and the application and what you do. If you connect more applications from a marketplace, then basically you enrich the connectivity and data and flows and activities between applications. And the one that knows all of our, all of our secrets and all of our solutions that basically should protect ourselves are the people that have the privileges and the ones that, that are actually knows and, and, and protect us. I like to give this analogy for the guard that basically sits in, in the entrance of many offices. This guard knows about all the alarm systems and all the checkups and all the procedures in order to do this monitoring. But what happened if we cannot trust this guard? What happened if this guard is doing malicious activity? How would you, if you cannot trust this guy? And at the end, people say, okay, but are you monitoring your internal employees? Are you monitoring your partners? So no, I'm trusting my systems to basically monitor privileged accounts and accounts and actions. And I'm looking for anomalies because I want to protect the company. I want to protect our business. Collectively, me as a security officer or as, an, or, as an, or as an executive. And one of the challenges is if you cannot trust no one and you have to monitor and you have to track and you have to learn, how do you do this quickly, accurately, and automatically? True, very true. And um, you mentioned trust and hope you will agree that we are moving in the direction of zero trust. That, yes, we should be trusting people who are working for an organization, who are loyal to the organization or holding responsible positions. But there is enough evidence to suggest that things happen in people's lives. People get fired. People have tough economic times. 
which often serve as a motivator to engage in disruptive hacks. So therefore, it is imperative that organizations arm themselves, for lack of a better word, with the best possible solution, technology solution, which will do the work for them, whereby everybody is being monitored. So there's no discrimination of any sorts, but technology is being used to monitor, carefully monitor. So Duran, going back to monitoring using technology, share with the listeners what was the traditional method, what were some of the weaknesses of the traditional method, and what you and your company are offering by way of your platform? So to date, the detection technology predominantly in the application space, I would say, based on, on rules. Now, rules are, were set and developed mainly around patterns and scenarios which have been identified, that have been identified by the corporate and the business as things that you should not do or users should not do. So they were listing all the things that people should not do. And if they are doing this, the rule will flag it. The challenge with this is that there is a limit to what we as human beings can think of, of what potential scenarios may happen, because there is a limit. And you may skip some, one, few. And also this approach of, of us thinking of what potentially may happen is not scalable across so many different applications. And today in our digital world, which application is a click away, and you can adopt new system, new SRM, new CRM, new new ERP system, and so forth, which many of the applications are click away. How would you can imagine that you will know the business logic and the patterns of what can be done or what should not be done across so many different applications? So the current solution to today's solution around detections, which are based on rules, basically provide very, very limited, ineffective detection in the application layer. Also, it's not accurate, which means it generates very high number of false positives. So you need much more, many more people to go through these alerts to understand if, if these things really happen. So you have to separate and identify the false positive and, and, and the real in- incidents. So the industry have moved into a much more accurate detection, which is based on context. Just to give you an example, one of the first companies that was thinking and moving into a sequence in context was Cisco when they introduced NetFlow. NetFlow was one of the first product in the market that Cisco introduced that was actually doing the shift from analyzing single activity, single packets into a sequence of packets. Why? Because Cisco was saying accuracy comes with context. If you will understand the context, you will have much better accuracy. The same things happens also with endpoints. Detection started with antiviruses and slowly moved into EDR, extended detection response, looking into processes, into flows. So we at Reveal Security was following that trend and developing what we call user journey analytics in the application. So we actually monitoring the journeys, the activity, the sequences of who does what in the applications and using or develop based on our very unique machine learning unsupervised clustering engine, we are able to differentiate and learn per user multiple behavior profiles. These it's normal behavior profiles. And if something different happens, we can flag it and say, hey, there is something different here from your normal activities. 
And then you can investigate quickly and accurately why and what was the reason for that. So moving from all traditional concept into journeys, context, user journeys analytics, it actually brings a totally new dimension of very accurate detections or reducing the signal to noise ratio, as, as we like to say, automatically and quickly. And that's that's the name of the game around detection. And that's what it's needed today. Very interesting. So essentially, if I could summarize what you said, that there is a clear move from user behavior analytics to user journey analytics. Rule-based solutions don't work. Statistical analysis to augment rule-based solutions are also found to be not very effective. Very interesting. So given this move to these more advanced, more sophisticated solutions, for folks who are listening in on this conversation, CISOs of companies who have the authority to make purchasing decisions, how do they go about evaluating the different products out there? What should they be looking for in terms of what would work best for their context, for their environment? Any advice, any suggestions? The best advice I can tell, which I guess most of your or our listener, our listening listeners knows about, is they have to try it. So analytics and machine learning, it's a lot of trial and errors. It's a lot of mathematics. It doesn't work on every scenario, on every applications. And, and my recommendation and my advice is that you should be able to try. Once you try this, you can, you can, you can, one of the, some of the success criteria for can be the number of false positive, number of false negatives, how accurate, how easy it is to investigate. Can it be applied to any application or specific application? Can it be applied to situation that you have between application? For example, today you have identity providers like single sign-on providers, and then you move to another applications. How you can correlate all of these sequences between the application? How do you how do you analyze all of this journey? So trying, understanding, and analyzing the results are my my advice to many of the listener that they need to try this. They need to see actually how system are working, and then come to the conclusion what works for them best. Very good, very good. Now you mentioned about use of machine learning to analyze, to monitor, analyze user journeys. Now, we all know that even machine learning is an evolving technology and the effectiveness of machine learning techniques and outcomes depends on gathering good quality data. So there are there are challenges with the machine learning approach. So given that, just like you said, the, the user behavior analytics approach has shortcomings. What could be possible shortcomings of the user journey analytics approach? So the user journey analytics in at the end, it's very much relies on the fact that you have a journey. Sometimes in some applications, for example, transferring money. If you transfer from money from point A to point B, there's no journey, there's no process. Then you need to apply a different modeling, a supervised modeling, like what like in the industry. So user journey analytics, it's it's applicable to application that has process, that there are different options. So the user has all different journeys in different application. Even if for the same application, you can you may do different things in different ways. 
And if you've in and it's based that the, the user have a variety of options to do different things. So user journey analytics is applicable for cases and use cases that there are processes. Once you have a process, it means that you have a sequence, sequence of activities. Sequence of activity represent a journey. And this is something that with the right machine learning and clustering that is able to cluster based on similarity, similar sessions, then technology like this can be very, very effective. It has its own challenges because clustering needs data. It needs to be accurate. And this is exactly one of the challenges in the industry. Not all the clusters or the unsupervised clustering engine are good for such scenarios. So my recommendation is to find a company that really developed a dedicated, custom-built, dedicated clustering engine for security purposes, and not we're using off-the-shelf or open-source uh, solutions as opposed to developing a dedicated mathematical clustering engine that is able to cluster a high number of data points or sequences accurately, automatically, with zero configuration. That itself, all this profile by itself, self-learning. And continuously updating the profiles or creating new profiles as data comes in. And that's the important. Build an accurate automatic machines that can save you money, time, and effort. Right, right. So another question that comes to mind, when organizations adopt a new technology, a new technology platform, it's not, you, one can't assume that, yeah, I have adopted it, I'm going to see results. The organization also has to be prepared, has to make certain adjustments to the way they operate, whether it's from a process context, from a people context, or from the, the existing technologies, how they interface with the new technology platform. So the organization has to make some adjustments. So if a, if a, if a company was going to adopt this technology platform, this which provides these user journey analytics, what kind of changes does it require? Like from a change management standpoint, what should an organization be prepared for? Does that make sense? I have to say, Dave, my recommendation is that technology will adapt itself for the organization because the probability that the organization will change for specific technology is slim. So one of the requirements is that this technology will offer a solution which are frictionless, that doesn't require major changes or to any changes. So to my point of view, that's that's my recommendation because expecting a very large enterprise, I don't know, with 5,000, 10,000, and sometimes 50,000 people organization to change in order to implement, the chances that this project will be successful are very slim. Therefore, if you adopt such a technology, the technology needs to be designed in a way that it will not interrupt with the day-to-day -day processes and will be adopted to observe them as they are and come up with the insights automatically and accurately. Okay, that's good to know. So essentially what you're saying is the adoption and implementation of such a platform should be fairly smooth, should, not, should not interrupt existing operations. Well, that's, that's very good to know. Another aspect, when there is a detection of anomalous behavior, when the user journey is different from the normal user journey. Let's say abnormal user journeys are detected. How does the alert system work? Who is alerted? And is there a way of capturing, of documenting whether organizations are responding to those alerts? When a sequence is being detected as an anomaly, 
an alert is being sent to the SOC and being investigated by the analyst. Right. And, and then they have to, they can follow a procedure. For example, if this is a very high risk in a very high sense to, to a sensitive application, you the procedure may be in, in a way that you basically trigger another OTP to the user. And that's maybe something that the user need to confirm that this is he's the user and, and he on, on the device because he's making a sequence which is very sensitive, relates to potentially money transfer. And because of that, you may decide that the procedure will be sending another OTP or a text or something else. So there are different ways to do this. Now, if you want to basically investigate, so you can you can also integrate into SOAR system and suspend the user, hold the users, quarantine the user, not approving a transaction. So there are many, many, many different ways that you need to investigate. And the classical way, the simplest way that I see, we see many organizations, in, in a way that you basically contact this individual and you ask him, why have you done this or whether you have done this, this sequence? And in many of the cases, I have to say that internal consultants outsourcing and internal employees are also trying and error, so which means they're trying the system. They're trying to see if there is some something or someone or some technology that actually monitoring their behavior. So I like to say also, and going back to the guard in the entrance, when you come in the morning, you see the guard, you tell the guard, good morning, you trust him. He protects you. He's monitoring who comes in, in and out. Also, me as an employee, I trust my security infrastructure, security technology, that it will protect me and make sure that I'm not going to be abused so nobody will steal my credentials. Or if somebody will do a malicious activity that will hurt the organization, it will be detected. So this is some of the thoughts that I have on, on this point. Yeah, makes sense. And just since we used a couple of acronyms, SOC stands for Security Operations Center and OTP stands for One-Time Password. And if there's anything else that comes up, we'll clarify as we go along. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, the reason I ask that question, Doron, is in my work, when I do research, when I consult with companies, I often come across instances where their processes for quickly reacting to the threat alerts and doing the due diligence is often slack, is often sloppy. That's why I pose the question. But I, I, I totally understand from where you're coming. Another kind of a reaction to what you were saying is how in the world of security the perspective on security varies from organization to organization some organizations are more skeptical than others when it comes to trying new solutions because they feel yeah we'll spend money we are not sure if we will see the roi so when you are talking about a solution like this which has a lot of promise has a lot of potential how do you convince a potential buyer a potential customer to to give it a shot? What does it take? What have, have you experienced when you have engaged with prospective customers? What are their concerns when they're evaluating such platforms? So one of the main concerns is the variety of new applications and legacy applications that security executives needs to protect and write basically business rules. And and they don't have the capability, the manpower, the time to develop this across so many different applications. And every other week or day or month, you have more and more applications, SaaS applications coming in, and you collect all the logs and into a central repository, and you need to do something with it, rather than just collecting the logs. 
So for us, it's not convincing. This is a need, a need by many of the security executives to come up with a much more effective way, accurate and cost-saving in monitoring the application layer, which is kind of a, there, but the, the need is there, but the, the technology is not there yet. And we don't need to convince them because they require something like this, which today they have to spend a lot of time and effort. And sometimes people even, when we discuss with them, maybe about budgets and space, space holders, they're saying and responding to us, we don't need to put a space holder for you guys. And I ask why? Because the cost saving you giving us on professional services that we need to hire third-party companies to write all these rules, to advise us how to write the rules and patterns, etc. the cost saving is, is already two or three times higher than the cost of your system. So it's, it's a no-brainer in many of the cases. Okay, excellent. I want to reiterate something you just said. Collecting the logs is not good enough. You have to do something with the logs. So true. Promptly analyzing the security logs and taking necessary action is centric to maintaining a proactive security posture. So, Duron, we are coming to the end of our discussion today. I wish we had more time. But anyhow, I'd like to give you the opportunity to wrap it up for us with some final thoughts and advice. When you're looking in the, in, into the future, in the next few years, you will see more and more, basically, that the identities are becoming digital. There are no networks because it's all about identity access into the applications. There are lots of different technology around access, around identity and access management, but very few around detection of applications. And at the end, what makes your business successful are the people and the applications. The rest are facilitators to make you successful. And if you really want to be protected and making sure that you are fully covered, there is a need for an application detection and response solution layer, which is required today by many of the organizations and can provide you the bulletproof for the future. Fabulous. Well, Duran, thank you so much for your time, for your insights. I'm sure listeners greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave, for hosting me today. A special thanks to Doron Hendler for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.